Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge here at Norton Rose Fulbright. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Herbst, a partner and global head of our financial services group, together with Matthew Gregory, also a partner in our financial services group. Uh, good morning to both of you. And today, Jonathan and Matthew, you're going to share your thoughts and insights on the UK-EU Memorandum of Understanding on Financial Services Cooperation that HM Treasury published on its website recently. And Jonathan, if I could direct the opening question to you, why do you think HM Treasury's recent policy paper on the MOU on EU-UK Financial Services Cooperation is important? For example, can it be taken as a sign that the mood music is changing between Brussels and London? Morning, Simon. Uh, Look, the answer is the MOU um, is a positive thing. It's been a long, long time coming. We we saw a draft of it more than two years ago. Um, And so it is a it is a major achievement that the two sides have actually managed to get this far. And I think it does indicate a better relationship. And that's not just in financial services. It's in other areas. There are a number of limits. Of course, it is just an MOU. It creates a framework for dialogue twice a year with the extra aspects of it around it. But it does contemplate proper dialogue with, for example, recognizing the independence of each side. But nevertheless, pre-dialogue, if possible, or pre-notification, at least on any changes to mutual recognition. It does, you know, the E word, the equivalence word is mentioned, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that, there's, there's definitely progress here. I want you to overplay it or underplay it. Uh, it's just a framework MOU, though. A couple of other quick points to note. I mean, obviously, it recognises and, and specifically talks about the deep connection, which, of course, is factual, factually correct, between the UK and the EU markets. Uh, and recognises, therefore, that there is a common interest in discussion and you know, pre-positioning on uh, global initiatives and indeed on implementation of global initiatives. So all of that is very positive. And I think it sort of does, does reflect some of the other agreements between the UK and other jurisdictions, for example, Japan. So it's definitely a progress for the strategic dialogue. Thanks, Jonathan. Matthew, if you could take my second question, what do you think are some of the more positive points in the MOU? Yeah, thanks, Simon. And hi, everybody. I mean, look, I think it is positive in a number of respects. I mean, the MOU talks of a robust and ambitious bilateral regulatory cooperation in financial services. Um, And as Jonathan mentioned, I mean, there are a number of areas where the participants intend to work together. Obviously, that's DG, FISMA and and Treasury. Um, The MOU has this a series of shared objectives, which won't be a surprise to anybody. They are around preserving financial stability, market integrity, and the protection of investors and, and consumers. But importantly, the, the forum will include arrangements for uh, bilateral exchanges of views and analysis relating to regulatory developments and other issues of common interest, transparency and appropriate dialogue in the process of adoption, suspension, and withdrawal of equivalence decisions. Now, that is a really significant concern, obviously, with an equivalence-based framework. Um, I know Jonathan is going to touch on that a little bit further later on. Um, clearly, you know, the decisions and how they're taken in respect to equivalents and the, the so-called off-ramp really important for market participants at a critical level. Um, also, bilateral exchanges of views and analysis relating to market developments and financial stability issues. So again, participants, you know, both sides here um, in, in the market having a degree of assurance that the, you know, the relevant bodies are taking account of market developments, particularly as the UK obviously um, now for a number of years has been moving away in a number of areas. And then clearly enhanced cooperation and coordination in international bodies. 
that's a really significant um, piece as well, I suppose, in connection with things like the Basel Accords and so on. I mean, what this is not, it's not supervisory cooperation. That's clearly a separate pillar um, of the proposed uh, ambitious partnership uh, from a couple of years ago between the UK and the EU. But nonetheless, there's a lot in here that I think participants will will um, will be able to get their teeth into. And I just draw one um, further point, which is um, around compatibility of, uh, of the different regimes. So you'll see in uh, paragraph five that DG FISMA and Treasury are able to invite where where relevant or appropriate um, other members of the, the relevant regimes uh, in their in their uh, respective orders. So in the case of Treasury, that might be other departments and so on. And for DG FISMA, it could be representatives from other EU member states. So there's there's a kind of an opening of the door there to facilitating participation more widely in the forum. Uh, of course, very, very much depends on how all of this is quote operationalized in due course. Um, so look, I, I think as as you said earlier, it's a really positive development. Um, Meetings of the forum are going to be held alternately in the EU and UK, at least semi-annually and whenever necessary. And again, I think that's really important so that, you know, if there are key developments, I think you can hopefully expect to see the UK and the EU walking kind of a little bit more in step uh, than might have been the case otherwise in connection with those developments. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Jonathan, if you could take my next question. Um, what are the MOU's limitations? Oh, thanks, Simon. Um, so just to build on some of the points that Matt was making, I mean, I pick up five points. I mean, obviously, it's not legally binding. Um, it does contemplate, you know, regulatory cooperation. Uh, but importantly, and there's no surprise here, because both sides wanted this, you know, it acknowledges the independence of both jurisdictions, the EU and the UK, to implement their own decisions in all areas. And that, that was very important for the UK in particular. Um, third, it, you know, it does not provide specifically for equivalence in any area. It contemplates various types of um, mutual relationship, you know, ranging from just dialogue up through forms of various recognition, up, up to equivalence, possibly, whatever that's going to mean in this context. Um, fourth, and I think it's important, you know, that we acknowledge that when the Commission actually adopted it, you know, it specifically made the point, this does not give access to UK firms to the single market. No surprises at all by any of that. Uh, absolutely well-worn territory, but I think it's important we just, you know, remain clear sighted on that point. And, and finally, you know, you've got to look at this in the context of the current state between the two jurisdictions, you know, very, very few equivalence decisions I mean, other than CCPs, almost none, you know, pretty much a freezing on that area. Let's see where this goes. I think what it does mean from the low point of perhaps a couple of years ago, the change of government, uh, the change of prime ministers, and also the general moving on of the regulatory environment, you know, the wartime situation, et cetera, et cetera. There are many reasons why we were in a very different position when Brexit was the top of the headlines. So to, to some degree, it reflects a new reality, but we shouldn't get too carried away. Thanks, Jonathan. And as my final question, which I open up to, to both of you, I mean, we've got a general election next year. We've got the Edinburgh reforms um, progressing. We've also got a financial services and markets bill nearing its final stages in Parliament. Uh, how, do you, how does the MOU impact all of this? Maybe, maybe I'll just start. I mean, look, I think the underlying issue here, and this is a domestic policy issue for the UK, is that the, the big elephant in the room, which is, do you keep with a broadly EU equivalent agenda in the hope that, you know, there will be a form, it may not be full equivalence, but a form of mutual recognition. Do you go that route or do you go the 
you know, we're going to do something completely different route, not just in the technical detail, but in the substantive nature of the regimes in numerous areas, and basically say, right, this is what's going to work for the UK. EU is never going to grant any form of equivalence or anything less than that. So let's forget about it. That is the big policy issue. And, you know, I think it's interesting talking to uh, political players and, and those in the in the Treasury and elsewhere. I think there are genuinely arguments on both sides that are recognised. And it's a very difficult. And I don't think that debate has been closed. I mean, obviously, the Edinburgh reforms are around the UK designing its own appropriately independent regime. I think the question is, from a policy perspective, to what extent, as you are designing that, you do recognise the importance of the EU market and therefore the interest of the UK in retaining a degree of convergence and vice versa. And one of the fascinating things I've found the last few months is the extent to which certain liberalisations the UK is proposing, the EU is proposing exactly the same and vice versa. And whilst it is not said, the realities are that the differences are fairly limited at the moment in a number of areas. So we could go into this in much more detail, but I think that's the big macro question which is out there. That will depend on a lot of things over the next 12 to 18 months. Thanks, Jonathan. Very interesting. Well, that concludes today's podcast. My thanks to Jonathan and Matthew for sharing their thoughts on the MOU. We will, of course, continue to track developments on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.